The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. Welcome to another episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Today, we will be talking with Radhika Nayak, who is a career development specialist for staff here at Cornell. We talk with her about her role, how she supports staff, as well as her own experiences here at Cornell. We also get her thoughts about how we can all contribute to making Cornell truly inclusive in order to retain our diverse and talented staff. My name is Toral Patel. And my name is Erin Sambushis. And you are listening to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Hi, Radhika. Welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here today. And as we get started, can you please introduce yourself, including your pronouns, how long you've been here at Cornell, and what you do here? Hi, Toral. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate this opportunity. My name is Radhika Nayak, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I've been at Cornell for about seven years now, and since the beginning of this year, I've actually been in this newly created position of career development specialist, and I'm a part of the organizational development and effectiveness team, which is fondly also known as the ODE team. Uh, Prior to joining ODE, I most recently served as HR associate within eCornell, where I actually helped build HR as a function from the ground up for that organization. And before that, I mostly held finance and accounting roles at CIS, uh, which is uh, Computer and Information Sciences and the Research Division. We're so happy to have you here, Radhika. Um, and Thank so, you. yeah, you, as you said, the position that you're in now is it was a newly created position, right? When did you start in that position? I started in February of this year. Okay, so very new. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely yeah. new position. All right. So love to hear more if you know the story of how that position came to be, you know, because um, it is a very, a very specific position. And we'd love to hear more about what you do in that role. Yeah, certainly. So I'm going to just say that, you know, employees come on board excited to join Cornell and for our educational mission and our commitment, I believe, to excellence. And I think the last thing we want to really hear is that talented employees and Cornellians are leaving simply because they couldn't grow or they couldn't advance their career. And yet, sadly, uh, that's what most of the data that has been collected through surveys had told us. And so the creation of this position, a dedicated career development specialist, was one of the ways in which Cornell chose to respond to that. And uh, I truly believe that Cornell recognizes that individuals want to know where resources are located, how they can move around within Cornell, and who can help them through that process. And so anyone looking for a new opportunity knows exactly where to go, who to connect with for support, and what to expect also throughout that process. And so that's exactly what my job is about. Um, As career development specialist, I'm really here for staff offering career consultations and sharing information about tools, resources, programs, as well as opportunities that are available to help them advance as well as excel in their careers. And um, to that end, I suppose some of the services that I offer is uh, really like career guidance, which is career consultations. Uh, I also offer resume review sessions. I do mock interview sessions. I also work with units and colleges offering career development information sessions for all of their staff. So staff is more aware of what's out there and available to them. 
I manage the GIGS program, which is the short-term experiential development opportunities. Um, and I help units and managers and HR create GIGS. And I also help participants find GIGS. Um, I also manage mentoring programs to help employees build their skills and networks. And then there's the coaching program also that we offer as a part of the career services, which is a great resource in terms of providing really critical support and helping drive some transformational change. And all of these services are offered at no cost to the coachee or to their department. Oh, wow. I'm also working often to develop like custom programs, career development programs to people, certain groups, like for example, I work with colleague network groups as well Mm -hmm. to make Mm -hmm. sure that we focus on supporting underrepresented populations. Wow, that was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just clarify, you work with all staff, in other words, exempt and non-exempt. What about like temporary staff versus non-temporary? Can you just give a little bit more context around that? Yeah, and also tie that in with the union population as well. How does your role fit in with that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I do work with all staff, uh, so definitely exempt, non-exempt. I have worked with temp staff as well to kind of just help them understand, you know, how they can maybe apply for other jobs or what they might need. I have worked with union staff as well, again, for like resume reviews and maybe helping them understand interviewing questions. I do want to qualify that by saying that there are some very specific rules around union contracts that I have to always bear in mind. And so I am working with the Workforce uh, Policy and Labor Relations Division or department as well, the folks there, to kind of make sure that I'm doing right by the union employees as well. Yeah, this is this is great, Radhika. And I can tell that this definitely is a great fit for you because of kind of the journey that you've had yourself here at Cornell. You mentioned earlier about the various roles that you've had, not only within the HR here, but also at eCornell. And then before that, you were in the account services finance area. So can you tell us a little bit about your own journey and kind of what's led you to the current role? You know, what has made you change various um, fields almost from finance and business types of positions to HR to this current position that you've had? Yeah, that's a... That's an interesting question, probably (laughs) a long answer, but I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) So I've definitely had an interesting journey within Cornell so far. And as I mentioned, I've been here for seven years and I started out in the accounting and finance field within the research division and then moved to CIS in another accounting position. Uh, But that's what I was always, you know, knew I did well and I knew well and I was trained for accounting and finance. But all along, I also had this knowing that I needed to transition from working with numbers to working with people. I just feel a very strong connection to to just people. And I knew that I wanted to be working more with people. Um, So I knew that HR was a great field for me to move in. And then once I got introduced to the different functions within HR, I knew that I was drawn more to ODE. So right from the get-go, I think I had a very good sense for where I wanted to end up. And I basically just started that journey of gathering all the information I could, figuring out Cornell's ways of moving careers or transitioning or changing fields. Uh, There was no career development specialist then. So I just met with anyone and everyone that I thought might be helpful for me to get information. And I tried to do my own research. I tried to take courses. I did a gig for several months within ODE. So I did everything that now I know I'm 
suggesting to yes. folks right, that, right. that they also do. Uh, but it took me four years back then. And looking back, I think really what stands out to me the most is how focused I had stayed during those four years on my goal. And I knew that I was just going to make it happen. And it it didn't matter to me how long it was going to take. And then I got my first HR job two years ago and I took it. It was an entry level job. So it was a step down from where I was. But, you know, I knew that I could climb right back up. That's not being challenging for me. I just, I'm very committed. And so I just never looked back. And until the beginning of this year, those have been by far the most fulfilling two years of my career. So yeah, so it's it's definitely been the perfect and the right move for me. And then earlier this year, I was fortunate enough to transition into this position within ODE. I think overall, I would say that I'm really a huge fan of Cornell as an employer. I may sound biased. Um, <laughs> I'm truly grateful. I'm appreciative of all that Cornell offers in terms of resources, benefits, etc. And so for me, I think um, leaving Cornell would be the last resort. And I'm not even attached to this area or anything, but I could be anywhere. But I think what I really love about Cornell is it's like having a ton of different corporations or organizations in one area. And so when you look, want to look for a different job or when you want to change fields, you don't really have to leave and uproot yourself and everything that you've built thus far. You can just continue with your life, your benefits, your resources, your networks, and everything else, and just move from one department to another. I've always said that to me, it's, it's been fascinating that I know that when you're here in this culture, you don't think that there are many opportunities to move around. But somebody who's been in an industry setting, I've seen more movement here at Cornell than I've ever seen in industry settings, right? And so take yourself as an example. For you to be able to move from accounting, finance areas to HR, that typically doesn't happen in industry settings for a lot of people. You're kind of stuck down a career path that you've chosen. And I think that's one of the great things I've seen um, here at Cornell is I've seen lots of people be able to shift complete fields. Yes, yes. And I think it's so much easier to do it within Cornell than it would be, like you said, Toro, you know, from one organization to another. I can just imagine that I'd have to prove myself a lot more. Mm-hmm, yeah. And what struck me when you were sharing your journey, and you did that so well, Radhika, but what struck me is because you have been there at Cornell, you yourself have had to take all those steps on your own. You didn't necessarily have, you didn't have a you, right. <laughs> you know, to help you, right? On your own, <laughs> you, you took the courses, you said, you made the connections, you did the networking, you had a goal, and you worked toward it, which is wonderful. And I would imagine that could make anybody that you're working with now feel like that you would get it. Right, because you've been there. You've been there at yes. Cornell. Not you didn't come from somewhere yeah. else. You've been on that road at Cornell, and you can say to them, "I know the road. <laughs> I know, yes. you know. Let me take you. I know the road. I know all the twists and the turns, you know. And and also from a practical standpoint, but also from an empathetic standpoint, you know. Absolutely. You, you, you could also yeah. identify with some of the challenges and the feelings that they might be having trying to navigate that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also, you know, always emphasize that it doesn't need to take four years. (laughs) Because now it's all here. 
I'm here, the resources are here in one place and, you know, they can really get going and they can reach out to me anytime for guidance and help so that they can stay on that track and maybe make it happen sooner. As you mentioned, you've been in this role for nine months. And when you've started, one of the first things you've done is look at some of our or the feedback that you've already received about why people are leaving, right? Obviously, we know that both nationally and at Cornell, more and more newer professionals are leaving employers much sooner. They're not staying as long as they used to before. And so within the various Cornell surveys that you've looked at, especially with, you know, historically marginalized identity groups, right? They're leaving because people are not feeling a sense of belonging and inclusion here. You know, let's, let's focus a little bit on you, right? And you've mentioned that you've stayed here for seven years um, in all the various positions. So can you talk to us a little bit about your own sense of inclusion and belonging? What are some of the examples that helped you feel that here at Cornell? Yeah. You know, I have to say that for the most part, majority of my time here, I've always experienced a sense of inclusion and belonging. I'm thinking of my current position right now and the team that I'm a part of, and there's just so much authenticity there. Everyone is super respectful, very inclusive, and extremely caring. Um, I want to say the same thing about my previous HR job. There was a strong sense of safety within that team. And that was, I think, fueled by a recognition that we are all different and that we don't have to all be the same or alike or have lives that are similar. Another thing that comes to mind in terms of, you know, feeling a sense of people making an effort is, you know, the awareness for them to pause and check with me if they're pronouncing my name correctly. Uh, I don't remember that happening that much three years ago, but now it's more and more the case. And that, again, I think is a huge indication of inclusion and belonging for me. Um, in addition to those personal experiences, I do want to say that I've seen during my various jobs on campus, really great instances that modeled inclusion and belonging as well. I just can't share a whole lot because of confidentiality. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I'm glad that you've had some, you know, overall really good experiences. Can you share a little bit about what might be some, some examples or some times when maybe things could have been better? What is it about the work environment that you have, you know, maybe pick up on sometimes or sense or feel? That, and if not through you, just as you said, generically through stories you've heard, people you've worked with, that sort of thing, you know. Because I can mm. imagine you're hearing a lot, you're seeing a lot between your own experiences yeah. of working with people that you're getting a good sense of what works well and what doesn't work so well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's really coming to mind is my own personal experience. And this is, might sound silly, really, but honestly, the times that I have felt that maybe I'm a little left out or I don't belong is when people, you know, don't tend to think of the cultural differences and they go straight into conversations about things that maybe I don't relate to. So, for example, I'm being of Indian origin. I didn't watch the TV shows that people watched here growing up, and that often comes up. They'll just assume that I grew up watching Brady Bunch or whatever else uh, that they often talk about, which I don't know anything about to this day. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it just sounds a little too assuming to me. And the same happens with sports conversations. I don't follow football or baseball, but then we go right into a conversation about that. That can also be a little too assuming. But I think that really boils down to self-awareness on their part and 
I would want to hope that that's changing as time goes on. You are literally speaking Toil's language. Uh, totally. Because right <laughs> totally. I, I think I've shared even with my own group. I was like, look, I have no trendy or cultural references or anything before 1990s. Like, I've got nothing. Like, I don't know anything that happened in the U.S. in the 80s. I can't relate to anything. To Aaron's point, you're speaking my language because very similar. <laughs> but you know what's really striking me hearing both of you talk is, okay, yeah, it's, you know, somewhat humorous to think about, you know, that you don't have the, the pop culture experiences. But I'm finding myself even sitting here thinking, even in the workplace, right? Um, and I, you know, I've been guilty of this. I celebrate Christmas. So, right, so after Christmas break, because we get the week off, you know, I know I've been guilty of saying to all my colleagues, so what do y'all do for Christmas? How she celebrate Christmas, right? Without that, always that cognizant awareness that perhaps everyone doesn't <laughs> celebrate. Yeah. You know, for them, it was just a week off. It wasn't anything more than that. And so I think that that's really, it is important to talk about because those are ways that we find to connect with people and colleagues, but inevitably then we are automatically not connecting to some individuals. And that's really important. Even the happy holidays concept. We're trying to be politically correct by saying happy holidays versus Merry Christmas. And yet not everybody actually has holidays this time of the year, right? And so so even then you're not still including everybody in, in that concept. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And I definitely hear you on the sports references. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I do Yeah, get. that might that's not a culture thing alone. That's a bunch of <laughs> other stuff. So I guess, Radhika, what have been sort of signs to you that somebody is sort of recognizing that you may have, you know, a different way of contributing to the conversation or that you may have, you know, a different experience? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if you can think of just some signs where you sort of got that vibe, okay, they do see that there's a difference and they're trying to include me. Yeah. And I think I have actually experienced this where people will just pause and say, wait, do you know what I'm talking about? Or are you aware of like those TV shows? I don't know if you grew up here. You know, they'll say that they'll acknowledge that. And once that happens, then I'm just like, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything. What you're talking yeah, about. And I think it's also the idea that you don't necessarily need to feel that you need to censor yourself either. You know, I think there's ways to include people in the conversation without feeling like you can't talk about certain things because, hey, Radhika or Toro might not be able to relate. I mean, you could have just said, hey, what did you do this weekend? You know, did you have a great weekend? What did you do? And then in your part of the conversation, you can say, I watched a lot of sports this weekend. And that's fine. But yet there's a way to still make everybody there feel included in the conversation without it turning into, well, oh, I can't talk about football because Toro can't relate to that or Aaron can't relate to that or Radhika can't relate to that. Right. So I think there's ways to still make the conversation flow that everybody's still feel included uh, without feeling like you can't talk about certain things or you have to censor yourself every single time. I think that that is so key what you just said, because it's, it's, it's entering the conversation in a more open-ended way right. as opposed to an assuming way, right? So instead of me saying, how did everybody celebrate Christmas? <laughs> you know, it's me saying, what do y'all do over break? That's right. So much of what we're talking about, again, is happening within our own work unit, right? These kinds of conversations, this type of quote-unquote socializing. And we also know that our supervisors, our managers are, I would argue, the first person that we are trying to connect with in a new job, right? I mean, they're the ones that theoretically hired us. They're the ones that have a part to play in making sure that we get trained. They're the ones that are going to decide whether we stay or not. You know, so obviously our, our connections with our supervisors and our managers is important. And Radhika, I don't know if this has come up in your position, but I feel like over the last couple of years, I have been hearing this, the phrase, 
people don't leave jobs, they leave managers way more than I ever used to hear. It's not a new phrase, right? It's been around a long time, but I have been hearing it so much over this last couple of years. People don't leave jobs, they leave managers. I say that to ask you, given that what you are hearing from employees who are potentially looking to move around, leave, whatever, what suggestion do you have for the managers, for the people leaders, for the supervisors that could really help the retention efforts that you spoke about at the beginning? We don't, I, I don't believe they actually want talented people to leave, but right. yet people are leaving, right? You know, what suggestions do you have for them on how we can change that for the better? Yeah, that's uh, really a great question. And I just want to thank you for referring to uh, managers and supervisors as people leaders, because that is our new term. We believe that that's very reflective of the human element of that role. And uh, that's behind the usage of that term. But yeah, like I said, it's a great question. And one that actually ODE is very actively working on because we're coming up with a brand new training for all people leaders. And a component of that training is all on career development for their staff members. And yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And I think it's going to be launched pretty soon. So that would be a great resource for all people leaders. In addition to that, I think I do have quite a few suggestions that I would offer people leaders. We would highly really encourage them to regularly schedule engagement conversations with their team members, which also become retention conversations. And so I also want to take this opportunity to mention that about three weeks ago, we've launched the new Employee Career Success Center, which is a virtual one-stop shop for all employees so that they can supercharge their career development. And there's a plethora of resources, yeah, that can be accessed on that webpage. And I'll share the web address in a bit, but I just wanted to you know, say that managers or people leaders can definitely share that Career Success Center webpage with their employees. In fact, they could even bring it up online in their next staff meeting and walk through it together and talk about all the resources, et cetera. Or better yet, they can reach out to me and I'd be happy to do an information session for their team related to the Career Success Center so I can explain everything that's available to the team members. In fact, I'm actually scheduling a lot of those for various units. In addition to that, I would say that people leaders can look for ways for their team members to expand their skills within their jobs. So maybe reminding them about the various learning and development opportunities that are available, perhaps maybe even assigning courses that might be helpful uh, for their team members to grow. And then the other very important aspect also is, and I work a lot with people leaders on this, is trying to develop gigs on their teams. Uh, So trying to develop gigs, meaning hosting gigs on their teams, but also helping their own staff to take advantage of gigs in other areas. So those are all the different ways in which I think people leaders can really help and keep that focus on their team's career development and growth. And so with the gigs being, as you said earlier, I think sort of these short-term employment opportunities, I guess one benefit I see of that is that it reminds all of us that there are like hundreds of different offices and units and, you know, micro-employers within Cornell 
but having something like Gates reminds us that we are still one overall employer, right? And so maybe that person isn't going to stay in your particular office for, you know, another two years, but they, they don't have to leave Cornell. You know, Cornell doesn't have to Absolutely. lose them. Your office might unfortunately lose them, but Cornell doesn't have to lose them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a huge point. Remembering that at the end of the day, we are one Cornell. And honestly, we would rather have that employee stay within Cornell than have them be dissatisfied because they're not getting any growth opportunities and completely leave Cornell. Uh, So at the end of the day, it's about a win-win, I think. And looking at it from that macro level of being Cornell is important. You know, Radhika, I've had a lot of informal conversations with people leaders, whether it's in different committees I'm on or just, you know, in general in the work that I do. And one thing that I do hear sometimes from them is that lack of time, (laughs) lack of time to really invest in some of the things that you're talking about, you know, really having those engagement conversations. I love that phrase, by the way. But, you know, having engagement conversations, really working with their staff individually to talk about where their areas of growth might be. And I feel like a lot of people readers are legitimately, understandably struggling with trying to just get the work done. And just trying to lead their team and getting the work done, it's really hard for them to think about anything other than that. I guess I just wonder if you have any thoughts or advice for how to help them even be able to see or or figure out a way to incorporate that way of working with their staff into their day-to-day operations. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it comes back to, you know, the definition of the people leader. To me, anyway, it's really reflective of the human side of leading, of developing and coaching. And so I think it's about really creating that environment where people thrive. It's not just about getting the work done. That's important. But I think the other important part of it is helping your team members thrive. And so to me, leadership is it's about all the aspects of the role, whereas the people leader focuses on the people aspects. I don't know if that's making sense. but Yeah, yeah. this part of our conversation actually reminds me of a recent conversation that Aaron and I had with our own amazing sound I engineer. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, well. uh, mm-hmm. with Bert Odom-Reed. And um, the advice that uh, Bert mentioned to us was that, it's, I think it was in terms of a marriage advice, right? And so, Bert, please chime in here if, if I get it wrong, but uh, you are with somebody because you're attracted to their strengths, but you remain with somebody because you're invested in their weaknesses, right? And so this concept can really be applied to our people leaders as well, that you initially hire somebody because of the skill set that they bring to the table, right? But in order to continue this working relationship and in order to get these new hires to stay within an organization, it's because you're invested in their weaknesses. And, I, and weaknesses is probably not the right word, but in, in opportunities and career growth for them, right? What a great way to look at it that way as well. So thanks, Bert. Bert is shy, everybody. He's giving, but he is giving us the thumbs up. <laughs> he, he approves this message. That's really a good way to look at it, Radhika. And Bert. Really good way to, <laughs> to look at it. And it, it really does you know, speak to that word investment. You know, whatever word you want to fill in after that doesn't really matter. And I think it really speaks to something that I have found myself thinking and saying a lot, which is we can be really good sometimes at recruitment, 
but then fall off when it comes to retention, right? And we do a lot to get amazing, wonderful, diverse, talented people in the door and at the table. It doesn't stop there. <laughs> to your point about in order to see that all the way through the retention, we have to invest in them. And that's going to look different. What that investment looks like is going to be so different from one person to another. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to me, it's very simple. When something is important to us, we make the time for it. And, and you put the resources into it. Yeah. Hence yeah. your position, right? That is why your position right. exists, because Cornell exactly, put the resources yeah. and the time into recognizing we need to prioritize retention more, and this is how we're going to do it. So it actually makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. And what's great about your role, actually, is is this concept that it's not just for employees to kind of do their own advocating for themselves, right? But that managers can also take advantage of your role in helping their employees grow as well. And so I think that's the dual side of your role, I think, is what makes it really unique and neat here on campus. That's a good point. I'm glad you said that, Toro, because, yeah, we're kind of focused on the employees looking to figure out their next step. But Radhika, we're right to say that, right? That the managers themselves can also reach out to you for guidance on how to have those engagement conversations, how to prioritize this in that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, they go to the Career Success Center webpage. Uh-huh. There's also resources for people leaders there that they can use. Great. Um, and so, yeah, it's there for them as well, for their careers right? It's not just for their team members. They can also use that for the growth of their careers. And in addition to that, there are resources for them as people leaders that they can use in order to help their team members. I'm just thinking, Radhika, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we um, also have a lot of folks that listen to our podcast who are not at Cornell, who may just listen to them because of their own interest. Is there any aspects of those online resources that you talked about that would be visible publicly to people outside of Cornell? Yeah, absolutely. I believe so. I think that, you know, it just exists on the main working at Cornell page. And so it would help them to understand, you know, how Cornell is prioritizing career development. I think that's a big attraction point as well for folks. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. So we've covered people leaders. Let's kind of take it back full circle to the employees themselves. And that is, what advice do you have, just based on your many years of personal and professional experience, what advice do you have for those employees that we know are out there listening to us right now who aren't having the best experience in their current role, but they're just not sure what to do? They don't know what to do next. They don't know how to resolve that issue. And I know that's a big question. There could be a million reasons, you know, why. But just in general, you know there's somebody that's like, I don't know if I could go on here and I don't know what to do about it. What's your advice? Yeah, that's funny because the first thing that came to my mind was listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. I second that. Um, But on a more serious note, I suppose they can actually check out the Career Success Center webpage. There is truly a plethora of tools and resources there, including a career management toolkit that can actually help them chart a roadmap for their career. And that webpage, the address is hr.cornell.edu forward slash professional hyphen development forward slash career hyphen success hyphen center. And so this exists on the Working at Cornell homepage on that black or gray bar at the top, there is the career development option. And when they hover over it, the first menu item there is Career Success Center. So that's a great place to start is definitely what I would say. And then in addition to that, they can always reach out to me. We can schedule a career consultation. 
whether they have specific questions or they don't know where to start, whatever their situation may be, you know, just reaching out to me would be another first step that they could do. And I would really encourage everybody to really make use of this resource, of this position that I'm in, as well as the benefit that Cornell is providing for everybody in terms of all the resources, the programs, and the opportunities. I'm glad that you said that, even if they just don't know where to start, because I could imagine that for some people, they might not exactly even know yet what they want to talk to you about. They just know they need to start somewhere, you know? So knowing that that's a safe space that they could just say that, say, yeah, I really don't know what I need to do next or should do next, but I heard you (laughs) and I heard about this resource and I just, I don't feel comfortable talking yet to my manager or my, you know, whoever or HR, but I wanted to start somewhere. Um, I think that that's important to highlight because I I do think that's something that a lot of people, they want to test it. They want to open the door a crack, but they're not necessarily ready to go through it yet. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Radhika, this has been an, an amazing conversation. Uh, it just the time has just flown by. Thank you so much for joining Aaron and I today. And I'm so glad that, you know, we're able to let people know about this amazing resource that's you that we have here at Cornell. You know, as somebody who has worked here a long time and like you, Radhika, did a lot of that, clearing the path on my own with the hatchet and, the, you know, the hoe <laughs> and everything and getting tired and, you know, worn out. It is so nice to know that people who come after us might not have to do much of that path clearing by themselves, that they've got you to help them. So that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been really great. I'm glad I got to share about the Career Success Center webpage as well, because I think I really do believe that's a great resource and a starting point for everybody. And yeah, I'm really thrilled to be in this position because I can now actually help people. I've walked their path and I can really help and I want to help and make sure that we are able to retain more and more of our employees. That is what we all want. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Twirl, that was extremely informational conversation with Radhika, but it also was just very, I don't know, energizing in a way, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, You know, I was expecting to just, you know, hear what she does, hear about this great work, but somehow I found myself feeling just a little bit more invested, (laughs) you know, in In Cornell. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I I just found myself more invested in hearing what she's focused on, hearing what her and her office are trying to do for both employees and people leaders. I think that that's the part that excited me almost more, um, because I really think the people leaders need just as much guidance and support around retention as our employees do. Yeah, I agree. I loved hearing her her journey, right, that it took, because she mentioned that it took her four years to kind of get into the role, um, but that she's always known, right? She's she's always known that this was a place where she's meant to be, and she really worked hard to get here. I thought that was just great, um, and it's a great message for our staff to stay committed to the path that, that you want to walk here at Cornell. But I also love the fact that even though it took her four years to get to this position, that her position is going to allow others a much shorter journey, right, to get to, to their dream career and dream jobs. I agree. I really appreciated her attitude about how she said, I, I had a goal. Yeah. And I just didn't allow myself to get swayed right. from that goal and, and didn't get hung up on, oh, but it's taking so long. And what about this? She just stayed the course. 
<laughs> and took a and career just, like she, she took a career step back, right? So mm-hmm. she said she took a step back in her role yes. to kind of walk down the path that she wanted to. I'm glad you said that because I, I meant to say something to her about that because I did something similar. And the reality is, if you're changing fields, mm-hmm. you know what she was and what I've done. We need to get away from that notion that you always have to be moving up or even over. You know, sometimes it is going to mean you're going to have to take a step back because you are essentially entering a whole new field. You know, that's not a bad thing. you got to keep your eye on the prize that you're right. getting into a new field. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the great part. It doesn't matter that you might be starting back a little further. Yeah. I also like when she talked about her current position, right, mm-hmm. and, and the teammates that she currently has. Uh, one thing that she mentioned that it, it's something that we we have quite a few of our guests mention, um, this strong sense of safety that she feels in her current position, yeah. I think. And that that comes from her teammates. And I think that's something that all of our team works can can strive for. I thought that was very important because I also feel that. And I think in our little work group. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, yes, we're sort of focused on the people leaders, but again, that speaks to the fact that we we all have the ability to help our colleagues feel like they belong, yeah. right? And um, I loved the conversation that we had around, you know, for you both, it was mostly around the cultural references and experiences, but that's so important because it doesn't matter what the it is. You know, we all have something that makes us maybe a little different than others, and the idea is creating that space where you feel like you can, it's okay to be different. You can be different, you can talk about that, and there isn't this expectation that everybody is a certain way, you know, enjoys the same things. And I don't even think you have to be different. I think it's just a a space where you can be you, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And what she said to me that really stood out was just that her teammates, it's just the small things. It doesn't have to be big gestures. Again, we talk we talk about this concept over and over and over, right? Yeah. So one thing she mentioned that really stuck with me was this idea that when she first started in her role, her teammates would kind of stop and actually ask that making sure that they were pronouncing her name correctly. And I said, you know, it wasn't a huge gesture. But what, like, inclusion means, like, what the sense of belonging for Radhika to say, hey, I want to make sure that I'm saying your name correctly. Somebody who has an unusual name like myself, that means a lot, right? But yeah. it wouldn't take a huge effort on anybody's part to ask me, hey, how do, how do I say your name? Or did I say it right? You know, right, it's right. One, one quick sentence or mm-hmm. one quick question that mm-hmm. uh, could be part of that conversation. Well, and I think also when she said about how sometimes somebody will say, I'm sorry, do you know what I'm referring to when I say that? What I think is happens in those moments that's critical is that that person was paying attention to the fact that she was silent, right. that she was not actively participating. It wasn't that they were making assumptions because of what she looks like, or right. what her name is. They were probably noticing everybody but her is talking, <laughs> and perhaps I need to step back and ask, you know, and think about, are we including her? And that's a small gesture, small gesture. but it's incredibly impactful in terms of what it can lead to. And I think that's the key that, I, you know, I want to leave everybody with. It's, it is the small gestures that would lead somebody on your team to feel that true sense of belonging and the place where they can be themselves. I do want to encourage everyone that's listening, especially if you're here at Cornell, to take advantage of this amazing resource that we have in Radhika. You know, make make an appointment with her, reach out to her, um, have an initial conversation because you never know where it might lead. You never know where it's going to end up. And again, she's clearly somebody that could be a safe space for people who might need it. So absolutely. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of the Department of Inclusion and Belonging in collaboration with the Cornell Broadcast Studio. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and submit a review on Apple Podcasts. 
It helps new listeners to find us and the show. For the latest updates on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at Cornell, be sure to visit diversity.cornell.edu. My name is Erin Sambuchase. And my name is Coral Patel. We would also like to thank our co-producer and sound engineer, Bert Odom-Reed, as always, for making us sound wonderful each and every episode. Thanks, Thanks Bert. Bert.